Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton acreage is expected to stay about the same as last year. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. I'm Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Proper management of bulls. That's one of the topics livestock producers have been hearing about as meeting season continues in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have a report on that here on Texas Ag Today. A farm economics outlook for 2024. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. Well, the holidays are over. New Year is here, and 4-H and FFA members are ready for stock show season. Hello, I'm Barry Baller, and I have the report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton acreage is expected to stay about the same for the 2024 crop as last year's. We ended last year with about 10.2 million acres, and with prices around 80 cents, acreage is not expected to grow. Dale Kugod is a cotton market economist with worldwide cotton merchandiser Olam Agra. He gave his outlook at last week's Beltwide Cotton Conferences in Fort Worth. Cotton grower magazine just did a very good plant acre number and they're coming out with 10.19 my price ratio model with a little bit of moisture involved in it i'm getting about 10.5 to 10.6 i've talked to other economists throughout we're, we're all in to basically no change down a little bit up a little bit but not dramatic part of the reason that is it's not just the cross commodity ratios between cotton corn and soybeans but also we're sitting right at the cost of production. So there's no major incentive to go out and plant cotton. And with improved moisture prospects for Texas, Cougon is expecting an average to above average crop, and that should result in a total nationwide production of around 15 million bales. I would start out with a crop of 15 million plus or minus three. If you, if you cornered me today, that's where I would start out. Uh, just because I think... We've got really good subsoil, not great, but better subsoil moisture than we've had in the last three, four years in West Texas. If they get a planting rain, the nice thing is you're off to a good start at least for 60 days with the subsoil moisture. And if they were to get another rain, we, we would potentially have an above average or an average crop in Texas. 
That's Dale Cougott with Olam Agra at last week's Beltwide Cotton Conferences in Fort Worth. A Texas rancher's property rights case will be heard by the United States Supreme Court. Richie DeVilliers Ranch is in Winnie, just east of Houston, and he claims that the rebuilding of I-10 has been creating big problems on the land his family has owned for four generations. For all that time, the land has never flooded until the Texas Department of Transportation started the I-10 rebuild. Since then, 900 acres of his ranch has been turned into a 900-acre lake twice, killing cattle and horses. DeVilliers' attorneys say the state should have compensated him for the lost livestock and land. It has been a seven-year fight, and the nation's highest court will hear his case on January 16th. The final ruling is expected by June at the latest. Proper management of bulls is one topic livestock producers have been hearing about during winter meetings. James Hunt has been attending those meetings, and he has this report. There are a lot of producer education meetings going on in the Texas High Plains right now. Recently, I attended a presentation on bull management that was conducted by Dr. Jennifer Kojol of the Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine. After her presentation, I visited with Dr. Kojol and discussed various aspects of bull management, including the importance of getting breeding soundness exams taken care of routinely. So it depends on when your breeding season starts. If your breeding season for your spring herd starts in May. We certainly want to think about checking those bulls March and April. If we are trying to see where our bull herd is because we need to hit some spring bull cells, certainly looking at our bulls January, February to see what the status of those bulls are. If we're looking at a fall calving herd and we're going to start breeding season December or even November, certainly want to be looking at those bulls in October. And Dr. Kojal says, even if you're using a particular bull for both spring and fall breeding, getting a fresh exam is good practice. A lot can happen between those two breeding seasons. So we just want to make sure he's good and ready to go and he's going to go out and be a fertile bull for us. But as important as breeding soundness exams are, Dr. Kojal says there's much more to consider when it comes to bull management. One of the things that we forget about bulls is that they are one of the biggest investments that we make as cow-calf producers, and we really need to make sure that we manage those bulls all year long, that they're having the same vaccines, they're having the same parasite control, that we take good care of their feet and legs as they need, and we really make sure those bulls are in good working order. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farm input costs have come down a bit for the 2024 crop, but so have commodity prices. Tom Nicoletti visits with a Texas Tech ag economist about the state of the farm economy going into a new year. My guest today is Dr. Darren Hudson. He is with the Department of Agricultural and Applied Economics at Texas Tech University. He spoke recently to a group of cotton farmers in San Antonio about 2024 and interest rates and farm input cost uh, moving into the new year. And Dr. Hudson, uh, summarize your uh, presentation and uh, what uh, cotton farmers and others can look forward to in the new year. Oh, I think, you know, when we look at going forward in 2024, there are some bright spots from the standpoint that farm input 
input costs have come down a little. They're much higher than they were several years ago, but they've moderated a bit. That's probably a positive thing. The prices are not as robust as we would like them to see. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And so that's put a bit of a squeeze, and it's a bit of a challenge for producers to handle both higher operating cost, higher interest rates, and somewhat lower prices that they're going to have to, to market through in 2024. What is specifically the cotton outlook for uh, Texas uh, producers uh, when it comes to number of acres and the 2024 season? When we look at 2024, because of the current prices where we're at, there are some analysts that think we could see a pretty significant drop in acres. But for the most part, I think most of us that are watching what producers are saying, doing, looking at the numbers, sort of anticipate maybe flat to maybe a little bit more acreage in Texas. Nationally, probably flat to maybe down a little bit in acres compared to 2023. But Texas is certainly a strong cotton production state and their costs are a little bit lower than a lot of places around the country. So I, you know, we expect that to hold solid. More with Dr. Darren Hudson from Texas Tech University on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas 4-H and FFA members are preparing for stock show season. Barry Mahler has this update from the Rolling Plains. Well, the holidays are over and things will settle down now and we can get back into our regular routine. Kind of sounds nice, doesn't it? Well, if you're a Texans 4-H or FFA member, nothing could be further from the truth as livestock show season will be in full swing in just the next few weeks. In reality, I don't think livestock show season really ever shuts down here in Texas. You have breed shows and jackpot shows and local chapter shows and county shows just about all year. But the season I'm talking about is the string of major shows here across the state. Now, the list of shows start off with the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo on January the 12th and goes all the way through March. Now, stops include San Angelo, February 1st through the 18th, San Antonio, February 8th through the 25th, Houston, February 27th until March 17th, and the Austin Show, March 3rd through the 23rd, and then starts all over again with the State Fair of Texas beginning next September 29th. It's interesting to see the strategy of the young people competing in these shows as they generally pick the shows they want to compete in and start their animal projects to be just the right finish by the date of the show. In the meantime, they're participating in clinics and classroom instruction and lots of work in the barn to be ready. The competition is intense, as one would expect, when you realize that there is more at stake than just bragging rights. There have been thousands of students across the state who have been able to attend college with scholarships or prize money won at these major shows. The Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo will have 1.5 million visitors this year. They have over 6,000 volunteers to make it happen, and they've committed more than 600 million dollars to the youth of Texas since it began back in 1932. And in 2023, they gave over $22 million toward education. Now, those numbers are the Houston show alone. It's a big deal for Texas youth. And on top of the funds, just add the training of work ethic and just learning how to compete learning how to win and lose gracefully. Folks, it's a great program. Plan to get out and see one in 2024. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Muller for Texas Ag Today. What is the state doing to combat chronic wasting disease? I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And cold weather is moving into Texas, and that can have an effect on beef cattle performance. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Cold weather has moved into Texas, and Dr. Bob Judd says that can have a big effect on beef cattle performance. Changes in temperature can have a considerable impact on energy and the nutritional requirements of cattle. Cold stress occurs when cattle require more energy to sustain basic bodily functions at a specific temperature called the lower critical temperature, or LCT. As temperatures decrease, cattle nutritional requirements increase, and if it is wet and windy, the requirements increase even more. Nutritional deficiency resulting from cold stress can lead to cattle producing lighter and weaker calves. These cows will also have lower quality colostrum and will begin cycling later after calving, which potentially decreases next year's calf crop. Cold stress mitigation should start with keeping the cattle warmer, and although this is not easy, wind breaks, snow breaks, bedding, and a dry area can all help cattle keep warm and dry. And although snow is important as it increases moisture, temperature is the main factor in cold stress, even if it does not snow. A nutritional strategy needs to be developed in the fall so you can keep cows in good condition rather than letting their condition decrease and then start supplementing. Forages that you plan on feeding need to be tested for total digestible nutrients, or TDN. Cattle will graze less as the weather gets colder, so their intake of nutrients is decreased at a time when the forage may be lower quality. For every degree of temperature below the LCT, cattle need 1% more energy. So if the LCT is 32 degrees Fahrenheit and it is 20 degrees outside, the cattle need 12% more TDN. How much feed or supplement needed to attain this increased TDN depends on the amount of TDN present in the supplement you are feeding. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. What is the state doing to combat chronic wasting disease? Jessica Nomal has an answer in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department recently discussed how it continues to combat the fatal neurological deer disease known as chronic wasting disease in Texas. Dr. J. Hunter Reed, TPWD Wildlife Veterinarian, told the Parks and Wildlife Commission that CWD in Texas includes both free-ranging and captive deer surveillance. For free-ranging surveillance, this is largely performed by dedicated parks and wildlife staff across Texas taking samples from roadkill animals, youth hunts, processors, check stations, department-led hunts on wildlife management areas, state natural areas, state parks, among others. Through these combined efforts, TPWD staff in the most recent sampling season have acquired a record-setting 17,500 samples. Captive surveillance is another important component of CWD surveillance here in Texas and is largely performed by breeding facility owners. Much of the surveillance submitted by these operations is required to maintain movement qualified status for their facility. And this surveillance includes 100% postmortem testing of 12 or mortalities 12 months of age or older, anamortem testing prior to transfer to release sites and breeding facilities, substitution testing for missed mortalities, as well as herd plan requirements for epidemiologically linked breeding facilities and release sites. 
Through these efforts, facility owners have submitted around 32,000 tests in the past year. That was Dr. J. Hunter Reed, wildlife veterinarian for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. We will have more with him on our next show on what the department is doing to combat the spread of chronic wasting disease in the state of Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures took different directions. To kick off the trading week on Monday, live cattle moved lower while feeder cattle closed higher. We'll start with the live cattle market where February live cattle were down 62 cents, 169.95. April down 37, 173.07. With June live cattle down 20 cents, 170.35. Feeder cattle finishing higher, January up 75 cents, 223.87. March feeders up 92, 225.07. With April feeder cattle up 32 cents, 230.10. Cash-fed cattle market, all quiet on a Monday. However, we did see some sales finally last week, late on Friday. Packers came in and bought some cattle at 173. That is steady with the previous week. In the Northern Plains, they sold cattle last week at 175 on a live basis, 275 dressed. Those prices $1 to $3 higher. Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday. Choice up $1.18, $278.34. Select down $0.10 at $259.43. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass, Cattleman's Columbus, sells them every Wednesday. Doug, how was the first sale after the new year? We had 634 head of cattle. Walk the pens with me, Doug. Yes, sir. On your weigh-in cows, your thinner low yielding cows, 65 to 75, medium flesh cows, 78 to 86, higher yielding better cows, 88 to a dollar, lower yielding bulls, 95 to 108, better high yielding bulls, 110 to 118. Had a few breads, a few pairs, uh, little medium type pairs, yesterday 1,000 to 1,450. Breads kind of the same way, 950 to 1,400. Uh, the calf market looked really good again. It's good to see it open up this way. Our first sale back, uh, two to three weight steers, two twenty-five to three twenty-two heifers, two fifteen to three dollars. Three to four weight steers, two twenty to three twelve heifers, two ten to two eighty-seven. Four to five weight steers, two fifteen to two seventy-two heifers, one ninety to two seventy-seven. Five to six weight steers, two dollars to two sixty heifers, one eighty-five to two fifty-two. Six to seven weight steers, one eighty-five to two thirty-four heifers, one eighty to two forty. Seven to eight weight steers, one seventy-four to two fifteen heifers, one seventy to one ninety. And your eight hundred to a thousand pound steers and bull runners bring one forty-five to 
170, FRS 135 to 168. Good. Uh, now, how many did you count? 634. Speaking of the count, what are you thinking we're going to have uh, in Brenham? You know, I'm kind of thinking around the same, Mr. Larry. We, we got a really high chance of rain tomorrow, which will be Friday. We're going to gather cattle all day today, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to kind of see a, a smaller run. People are kind of wanting to see what the market's doing, you know, but uh, I'll tell you, it was the guys that brought them yesterday, it paid them off because the market was dang sure good. Tell everybody how to contact them. Yes, sir. You can call me at, on my cell, 979-877-4454. Call us there at Columbus at the office, 979-732-2622. Doug, catch that horse. Be careful out in the pasture today. Oh, yes, sir. Y'all have a good day, Mr. Larry. In Texas, neighbor, we want you to have a good day, too, and come on back to Walk in the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with me, Larry Marble, and folks like Doug Bass, Cattleman's Brenham, Cattleman's Columbus. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished higher on Monday. February hogs up 60 cents, 70.60, with April hogs up $1.15, 77.52. Class 3 milk was higher. January up 2 cents, 15.14, 100 weight, with February milk up 22 cents, 15.75, 100. Cotton market closed higher on Monday. We're seeing some early cotton crop acreage estimates come out. Those estimates mostly steady, maybe a little bit lower. We close with March cotton up 23 points, 80.42 cents. May up 14 at 81.49. New crop December cotton up 5 at 79.34 cents. Corn just can't seem to find a bottom. We continue to push this market lower. The March contract hitting life of contract lows on Monday. It was down five and three quarters, four fifty-five a bushel. May corn down five and three quarters, four sixty-seven and a half. With September corn down four and three quarters, four eighty-two a bushel. Double-digit losses in both hard and soft wheat on Monday. We've got this big storm and snow system moving through the United States right now. Of course, we've been getting some of it in parts of Texas. That's bringing good moisture to the crop. And that's weighing on prices right now. With March Kansas City wheat down 12 and three quarters, 615 and a quarter. New crop July down 12 and a half, 622 and three quarters. March Chicago wheat down 19 and three quarters at 596 and a quarter. In the energy markets, February natural gas up eight cents, 298. February West Texas crude down 282 at 7099 a barrel. The financial markets higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 190 points, 37,656. The Nasdaq up 303 at 14,827. The S&P up 61, 4,758. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.